There we go. Uh, so I'm really excited about this topic. I'm excited about all of our topics. You know, I'm easily excitable, I guess, is, is what the message is. And uh, I really wanted to get everybody's point of view in regards to communicating change, because it's not unlike what Dr. Bob was just talking about. He was talking about wellness. But that in of itself is a change issue, isn't it? And when we think about training and we think about training initiatives and you think about following, you know, a human performance improvement model, every training program that we create or any training initiative or L&D initiative that we try to move forward within an organization is all grounded in the concept of change. We expect a behavior to change. We expect an action to change. Something should be changing because of this. And if there is no change expectation, then of course we need to ask ourselves a harder question about why are we even doing it? But that's a topic for a different day. So now, um, now we've got all of this change that's happening or could be happening around us. How do we handle that? So that's, your, that's our starter question. And for those of you who are new to the chat, go ahead and put your, let us know in the, in the chat box if you're new, if this is the first time that you've attended the chat so we can give you a proper hello. And, uh, and we can start carrying this conversation forward. And so, but first, how is everyone? Happy Friday, how's everyone doing today? Everybody got, uh, had a good week, I hope. Delaney, you're a newbie. Hi, Delaney, where are you from? Let us know where you're from. Um, and do you guys have any good plans? Fall is coming. Anyone doing anything fall-like? Apple picking, pumpkins, anything like that? Oh, you're from the UK. Well, welcome from across the pond. For you, let's see what time is it. It's about cocktail hour for you over there. Jealous. We need it to be it cocktail is. hour here. But as you will hear from my accent, I am not originally from the UK, so I am adjusting to the UK. Oh, how long have you been there? About a year now. Okay. Yeah, coming up on a year. Where, whereabouts? So I'm in Stanford right now, which is near Cambridge, okay. and I'm about to be moving closer to the Welsh border. Wow. Well, I assume you're doing that for work? Um. A mix. A yeah. Mix. Okay. So yeah, my husband's family is from near there. So we're moving to be closer to them and we both work remotely. So it's, it's given us a lot of flexibility. Excellent. Excellent. Love that. Love that. Okay. Anybody else who's new, go ahead and let us know in the chat. And so let's, you know, let's get this party started. Let's talk about communicating change. So where are your struggles when it comes to communicating change? I sent you a quickie communication worksheet and a, a communication planner. Were those helpful at all? Somewhat. Does they were fine. They're fine. Okay. Try strive for. Fine is always good. Useful is even better. So, um, fine and useful. Fine and useful. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Um, the struggles are having real sponsors who help lead communication. And I think that we can all agree with that. So, 
communication coming from the top down, somewhere we're caught in the middle of that. So how can we help build the communication message that really resonates? What are you doing right now? And of course, you guys can come off mic. Those of you who um, are, who have not participated before, this is an open mic session. So you can go ahead and just shout out your suggestions or ideas. What steps do you take to start the, to start your communication planning? Well, once you've identified what it is you want to change, you have to make sure that you have the buy-in of the senior most people in the organization. And as I launch what we're going to be doing, there's a strong present message from the senior most executive in that organization or that work group who has to come in and discuss why he or she is involved in this and how important it is because as a trainer or as an OD person to just go in and start throwing programs out at people. Wow. I, I think, you know, you, you're doomed to a difficult time. So mm -hmm. you got to get the senior most people out there visible talking about it. Otherwise, you might as well just bang your head against the wall. Well, so how do we do that? So currently, what happens is that let's just talk from an L&D perspective. So you're putting together um, a, an initiative that was, let's assume you vetted it, it was appropriate, we needed to do we need to do this in our organizations. So now how do we get senior leadership to champion the initiative that they wanted. Well, so, we have to have a discussion with them about the results that are expected, you know, how it could impact the bottom line and how they can be helpful at any point as we're rolling out this mm -hmm. new training program. Yes, that's that's great. We've got to get them involved in the conversation. Amy, I see your hand. At least I think that's Amy's hand, or was that my hand? That's my hand on, on Amy. I'm sorry, Amy, I didn't mean to throw you in there. Um, so yes, we've got to we've got to get that conversation started and get them into the feeling that they have to be champions as well. But it's not that easy sometimes. So how can we how can we help them communicate and be the champions that they need to be? Right. So if we think about some of the steps, let's maybe let's back that up. Let's think about um, the steps that we need to take when it comes to communication in general. So if we're going to communicate this initiative. What are the steps that we should be taking? Let's start there. So we agree that we've got to get buy-in from the leadership. What else do we need to be talking about? Knowing your audience. Yes, Tracy, in the chat, knowing your audience. And Maureen, let the senior people know early and often what we want of them. Yeah. Yeah, and also the why. Why this change and 
and again, if it's particularly if it's a shift in mindset, um, kind of the just kind of that case for change, whether it's like we're moving towards something good or we are trying to, we need to move away from something that's not sustainable. Right, right. And I think um, the why the change is really important, right? But, but it's also, it's also deeper than that. It's deeper than just, we need to fix a broken process is communication that's deeper than that because a lot of them may like the process even if it's broken, right? So how do we then communicate that particular why? Is there something deeper that we need to be talking about? Well, isn't part of that listening to them express their feelings about, gee, why are we doing that? It works fine for me. Don't we have to have some catharsis? because we're changing it and they like it. So we need to let them talk about it and express their feelings and help them work through those feelings somehow. And I'm not trying to be a therapist, but. (laughs) Well, I think there's something to be said for that, isn't there? What do you guys think? I mean, is there before you, as part of your implementation plan and maybe even part of your design plan is there something to be said about you know doing what politicians like to do, which is they go through that listening tour? Yeah, that's. I think that's where the needs analysis bit comes in. Um, that that conversation to really understand what the issues are, so that when you do come up with a proposed solution, you can tie it back to the conversations that you've had and whatever surface in terms of challenges. And also in terms of the the change process, normally you have different audiences and you need to have different messaging. So you need to alter the the audience and the message to suit because everyone may play a different role in the change process. Right, I love that, I love that. So yeah, so whatever information that you found out in the analysis phase, you can then turn that into your communication plan. I think that's a great idea. So you can take those nuggets there and incorporate your findings. This is what we found. This is how we addressed it. And this is how we're going to communicate it. So I think that that's a, that's a really great observation, Valerie. And I also like um, here, Kimberly. So Kimberly, if you wanna speak up more about what you uh, wrote in the chat here, demonstrate change through their stories how the problem impacts them. I, I really like that. I'm all about storytelling. So Kimberly, do you have an example about how you might've used that before? I think uh, doing like a major IT system change and the challenges that people felt having networks on site that constantly failed, trying to work with global teams, understanding their ongoing frustration and the challenges they faced. And then using that, that feedback and engaging the different stakeholders and different departments and teams to design the new IT strategy forward, finding those champions that help tell the story and how they helped form the solution uh, was really useful. And each team had a different solution set in the new IT strategy. So the, the IT solutions that they pulled from like Office 365 weren't the same for every team. Um, so, so that was really helpful to engage 
everyone and like here are the common problems here's why we're doing this this is why it's good for the business this is how it's going to be good for you but then also have those custom personalized stories and, and champions and the story is not being told by us but by the staff involved right right I agree and I like how you mentioned that people are going to have different stories based on their experience with the new you know with 365 let's just say so people are going to have different needs so subsequently then there's going to be different success stories right yeah and I love that because then it's not a it's not a one message for everyone. It's a, it's different stories for different people. And I think in the worksheet, I think in the worksheet, I asked uh, part of the, one of the questions was to identify your audience The in the planner. I think it was, was to identify your audience. And I think Kimberly, what you just said there goes to that point is you may need a different message for different audiences. So I think that's a really that's a really good um, way of using storytelling to your benefit. And Maria, I think, yeah, go ahead. Sorry, I was just just to kind of close that off. There are different problems, and then also different success stories for each of those those audiences to pull out. Right. And some of them will surprise you <laughs> um, when somebody shares a success story that you didn't even know was. I mean, it wasn't even part of your original problem set or solution, and somebody's just really excited. So creating those, those feedback loops in that change communication process to invite people in to share and, and celebrate that is helpful. That is such a good point. I don't know how many times we've all, I'm sure we've all been in this situation where we've developed a solution and we found out that that solution worked for things that we didn't even anticipate. It's like, I, I didn't even know that that was a problem that this was going to solve, but okay. You know, so I think that we've all been in that spot before. So thank you. And uh, Maria, communicating change is even more important to involve people in the steps prior to the change, right? Whether it's a new solution. Absolutely. So Maria, do you want to take a moment and talk a little bit more about what you wrote there? Yeah, uh, I think that I draw that from my personal experience uh, because, you know, um, on my company, we're very much aware that, you know, change is the only constant, right? That's how we call it. Uh, but yet sometimes or oftentimes, you know, there comes a new tool that, uh, that will be implemented for LXDs or a new program management tool that is going to be in place. And we're like the last people to be consulted or like, and then we find all these gaps and we were like, if we would have been part of the of the planning or if we would have been involved in pilots to kind of understand how this serves our needs, maybe we wouldn't have ended up with that tool and we could have chosen a better one. So even though we might be very uh, good with change, sometimes um, we wish that we were more involved in those prior steps too. Right. Um, well, rather than when the solution is implemented and when you actually have very good feedback about why something works or not. Right. I see a lot of you nodding. So that sounds familiar to a lot of you. I see Chris there. Chris is like, yes. <laughs> so yeah, well, and as a, you know, I'm a mediator. So I think one of the things that we often talk about with people is like, I can't, I'm not going to impose a solution on you. If I impose a solution on you, what's the chance that you're actually going to take it up? you know, so. Right, right. It, it's, it's part of the communication plan here is, is being empathetic, right? 
So you're trying to be empathetic to the people who are on the other side of change. And it's almost, you know, Chris, I might be mis misspeaking here. So you please let me know if I am. It's, um, it's almost like children. It's almost like teenagers. You almost have to make them think it's their idea. Yeah, that's, that's absolutely right. I mean, uh, if, especially in terms of any kind of solution that someone has to take up for themselves at that personal level, but even at the organizational or team level, right? Everybody needs to have some buy-in. They need to know why it's important. They need to feel there's some skin in the game for them. Right, right. And so I think that's part of what we need to, when you, when you think about that communication worksheet, and I gave you, I think, four different sorts of talking points. And maybe that's one of the talking points that needs to be added. You know, can we, are we seeing the issue from the other side, you know, and are we using language that is inclusive to those people who are on the other side of the problem, because then that might bring them in a little bit more, you know, so, so maybe that's something there. And then also with Maria, I, I, we all feel that pain of being left out of an important conversation. And all of a sudden they're expecting us to roll out a change that we had no voice in. Okay, so that's a unique, that's not a unique problem. That is another subset of the problem. So how do we handle that then? So if we've got the business saying we're changing um, an IT solution, for example, and they didn't really ask our opinion for it. And then in the long term, we're like, man, this is such, such a crazy solution. I don't know why they went in this direction. But now you're expected to support it. So now what? Well, you have to chat with them and listen to what their issues are and respond with empathy, keeping in mind that we're going to do this. And I would never say that uh, we're going to do this one way or the other. But I think the choice of words here, Shannon, is really key. The study of language used to communicate change is so important. A, a word or two in the wrong place or the wrong word can, can really be destructive. So whenever I'm going to be communicating with people about change, I've worked through it a couple of times to make sure that I don't say the wrong thing or the wrong time that will raise somebody's dander up even higher than it is already. Mm -hmm. so watch the language, watch the language, watch the language. Words matter. Word, oh, word, yeah. Words matter. Yeah, absolutely. And I completely agree with you. And I think that you've touched on something there, Dr. Bob, that I, that I believe is important. Um, so when we're in that position of rolling out something that we personally don't completely support, I think that there is, um, I think that there's merit to going back to whoever the sponsor is and working out the words that you want to use to communicate. So that way you're making sure that you're communicating the message that they need you to communicate rather than being frustrated or 
or hostile about the fact that you were part of the decision-making process. Because sometimes that tone creeps through without you realizing it, right? So I think that there's, um, I think that you said something really important there about going back and working and reworking and working and reworking, you know, the script. So I think that that's an important step that perhaps we've left out, you know, so I'm going to add that. One of the things you just touched on in the last minute or so was communicating the change when you personally don't like it or are not in, going to enjoy doing it or something like that. Mm -hmm. Then you have to be super careful about your communication because, you know, it only takes a few words and people pick up oh, he doesn't like it or she doesn't like it. Why the heck do the rest of us have to like it? Right. Ooh, yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah. 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 You got to be a really, 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 really good soldier sometimes. <laughs> well, you know? I'm curious. Do you, does anyone here have any stories of such an event? I'll tell you, in my early days of um, learning leadership or in leadership in general, uh, I come from a business background. Um I, I would say things like, yeah, I realize this, is, this isn't what everybody wants to do, but this is what we have to do. So we all need to get, I was guilty of using words like that, which I know now was sabotaging the effort. You know, mm. so uh, fortunately I could say that was a lot of years ago. You know, hopefully I've learned from that. But you know, have, we, have any of you been in that position and what have you learned? Please don't tell me I, I'm not the only one who's made mistakes for communication. Well, you're the only one who can remember it. <laughs> I'm the only one who can remember it. I'm, I'm not that old. <laughs> That's okay. But think about, so I think that this is a turning point where, um, you know, where you, we look internally and think, okay, these are the mistakes I've made in the past. Let's just make sure we don't make them in the future. And now how can we help guide other people around us to ensure that they aren't making those same sorts of mistakes? Because what Kimberly says here is, yeah, changes are uncomfortable, but they may be useful. So there may be more things going on behind the scenes that maybe we're aware of, you know, and sometimes we're not privy to the entire strategy but we've got to be the champions for our business. And as the champions for our business, what is our responsibility from a change management perspective? Uh, what about, um, what about helping to alleviate barriers? So when in our communication plan, and when we're communicating to other people and we say that um, we realize that something might be a barrier, maybe, uh, maybe you need a new password or maybe there's additional training that needs to go with this IT solution. So there are, there are possible barriers there. So now what's our role in taking those barriers away? How can we follow up to make sure that those barriers go away or are supported? What are your thoughts around that? And I, I was 
told at a very early stage in my career, um, when I first took over an accounting department at a very large corporation, and I had told them the way things are going to be. And then it was, I was going through some personal problems at the time. So then my controller called me in the office and said, no, I'm going to tell you <laughs> how, <laughs> are going to tell to how, how things are going to be. So you just go out and apologize. And um, from that point on, I had learned that um, the expression is you put your brain in gear before you put your mouth in gear. And um, things worked out, but uh, it was uh, tough going for a while. So, yeah, that yeah, le learning, learning to be a boss, you know. Oh, that's such a good point. And, you know, these sorts of communications, these types of communications really matter when you're when you're the boss. And I like Amy's suggestion here as far as, um, you know, alleviating barriers. So Amy says. I tried to provide how-to instructions with the communication plan. And I like that a lot, Amy. So Amy, can you talk to me about that? Yeah, sure. Um, and actually I just sent one today and I try to really section off my emails with you know headers and so on. I'll provide, provide the general information up front at the top. And if it's a change communication, you know. I provide the why, the what's in it for me, you know, how this is going to benefit you and that kind of information that's up front. And then I'll section off um, the email with headers so that they can easily and quickly locate what they're looking for. It's like, how do I, you know, um, get the app? How do I log in? You know, or I have the app now. What, what in the world do I do next? You know, that kind of stuff, the questions you're going to get. I try to put them in there and I do it with, you know, I would call my, my sense of humor, but a little bit of lightheartedness um, so that it's not so quite so formal. Um, and then they can refer back to that. And I do have people who still skip over it and email me the question, but then I just kind of redirect them, you know, to the email or just copy it from the original email because they usually reply to that email and paste it in and, and here you go. So um, I found that's very helpful and really does prevent a lot of the return emails with, you know, the how and, well, what do I do and, and that kind of stuff. So it's been very helpful. I, I love that so much. I, I don't know if you guys remember, um, there's still, it still is in action right now. There's a program out there called Information Mapping. And uh, Maureen's like, yes, that just goes to show how old I am, right? I took that class back in like 1990 XYZ. And um, it was so helpful. And it was a class all about clarity of writing. And I think that uh, clarity of writing cannot be overstated. And so Amy, I love everything that you just said because it's so important to be able to say, not only the words that we use and how we're using them, but how they're structured, right? And, and providing people with that how-to and you know the, these are the headers and this is where you can go to find the information really rapidly. So thank you for that. That's a great addition. That's a great addition. And uh, go ahead. Uh, I um, was had problem, even though, you know, I have, 
county degree and blah, blah, blah. My writing communications was a challenge for me. Um, my oldest daughter has a degree in linguistic anthropology. So I asked her to teach me. I'm, you know, she's a university graduate by this time, but fortunately uh, she did. And the first thing she bought me was a dictionary. <laughs> and then um, she taught me for five years. She gave me her linguistic anthropology course, only personal one-to-one. And now I can teach other people how to communicate with the context of the word and what it means within the, within the context of speech. So I think that's really, really important not mm-hmm. just to give somebody a buzzword. There's too, way too many of that, of that going around right now. Yeah. Um, speak plainly. If you're nuts, tell them you're nuts, you know, and then explain why you feel that way. Well, hopefully we're not telling people that, but uh, um, you're pregnant. You should not. <laughs> I, but I get what you. But I get what you're saying. I totally get what you're saying. If you're, if you, you know, if you're going to communicate, communicate clearly and with purpose, right? You know, and I, I think that that's just that's the message, especially with, um, you know, especially when we're dealing with change. I think that buzz, you're right. You're so right, Brian, you know, the use of buzzwords or business jargon and all of that just gets in the way of what we're trying to say. Right. And it, I think you make a really good point with that. And Dr. Bob, I saw your hand. Yeah. Well, you were talking about communications mapping that you studied back in the, in the whatevers. Day. How about just some plain old mind mapping? That can be very useful mm-hmm. as a tool, very useful. So combine that with the other things you're doing. You know, uh, about five minutes ago, Amy talked about a job aid that she would use. And then um, I was hoping that she would talk about that, but she didn't. And Amy, am I unfairly putting you on the spot by asking you what kind of job aid you might use? or not? So Amy? Amy, you're on mute if you're talking. Or maybe Amy stepped away to refill her coffee. Yeah. We can ask her again here in a little bit. But, But yeah, I think that that's a really good question. And I also like what Kristen put in the chat about being very planful about what you're communicating, who needs to know what and when. I I love your comment there in the chat. Do you want to expand on that a little bit? Sorry, I'm having my my logic tech uh, video camera decided to just not work anymore. I don't know why it's, it's gone for the weekend. I have no idea. So now I'm on my laptop one and it's not quite as. Oh, you look great. (laughs) Um, Anyway. Yeah. So I've done a ton of change management work. I've been involved in pretty sticky um, acquisition, integration, mergers, et cetera, than being in pharma. Um, So um, having a really, really prescriptive, like, like 
as detailed as you can possibly get communication plan about the change now you know especially if it's a really big change involving a lot of people um you know doing a racy chart doing you know a stakeholder analysis doing all of those kinds of things to really understand who needs to know what when not everybody needs to know everything um but you know okay this piece this piece this piece this person you know this person or these you know this particular um role needs to know this etc and if you know unfortunately i've been involved in kind of layoff processes and things like that i mean if you mess that up oh. <laughs> and you let you know you you let the the employee know before the boss knew <laughs> it just doesn't work so um so just really really being so planful and scripting out scripts for all of the managers who are going to be involved or anyone who's going to be involved in the communication process is key. Um, like it seems like a lot of work, but it totally pans out if everyone is singing off the same exact sheet of music and um, so that there's consistency and people aren't going off and saying those those words that can be inflammatory or um, disrespectful or whatever, you know, that, and, and you, you honestly have to just, you know, say, look, you have to stick to the script, just read it. <laughs> you know, sometimes right. you just have to say that and say, it's in everyone's best interest to just stick to the script. And if they have questions and you always have resources, if they have any questions, you make sure that they have, you know, those avenues um, to, to reach out to. I like that. So Kristen, would you say, in your opinion, do the people appreciate having a script? Yes, very much so. Most people, especially if it's difficult, most people are not comfortable. I mean, that's just the basics of conflict, right? Um, and so they are much more comfortable having a script. There's always going to be those people that want to go off the script, of course, but um, I would say for the most part, everyone's happy to have that as a jumping off point. Yeah, I think so, because I think that we put a lot of faith in management and that faith might be a little bit misplaced where communication is really not their forte. You know, so I, I agree with you and I love that. And for those people who aren't familiar, would you take a moment and explain what a racy chart is? Oh, sure. I mean, I'll, I'll just try to simplify it. It's it's basically identifying the, the roles and responsibilities, you know, or, you know, roles within a particular project or communication or whatever. So, um, you know, the R is responsible, the A is accountable. You know, there's many different people have different kind of things for the each letter, but this is my take. So accountable, um, who, you know, support who's, who's somebody is going to support you, you know, um, C could be, you know, the somebody's going to collaborate with um, and I as an influencer. So, so you, you really start to do the stakeholder analysis and you really write down, you know, kind of an Excel spreadsheet is the way it works for me, but you know, you have all the, you know, all the players and, and you, usually it's good to brainstorm this with a team of people, like, you know, with at least not just yourself, because you're always going to forget someone you always do. So, um, so really, you know, having other people or at least another set of eyes review it um, for gaps is always, I think, a best practice. 
Yeah, so that essentially what we're doing is we're assigning roles to people. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's important too, especially if you're going through something major. So Delaney, I see your hand. I just wanted to piggyback off of that a little bit because I like what Kristen shared about providing a script. And I can see where, um, especially in high conflict or uncomfortable situations, that that could be really helpful. Um, and I even see it in some changes where it's just even positive things. So communicating oh, yeah. enthusiasm or discussing yes. benefits, it can be really nice to um, yeah, go through with those stakeholders, you know, not just getting them on board, but helping them practice some talking points and how to tell their own story in a positive way around that change. Or um, sometimes we've done materials with stakeholders where maybe you're building a podcast together that's talking with them about this new change and how exciting it is. And so you outline just some bullet points. If here's some things that you might mention in this conversation, mm -hmm. in this interview that we're having, um, you know, obviously you, you can say it in your own words, but highlighting some of those key points so that they know how they might discuss it and what the messaging might be behind it. So I, I love that idea of giving them some tools to use so that they're not just on board, but they're really empowered to have the types of conversations that may come up. Yeah, yeah. And I think you're right about, we, we have been concentrating sort of on more negative, right? Or unpleasant communication, but yeah, there is positives here. And so I'm wondering now about the use of video. So Delaney, when you're talking about sharing stories, right, and sharing positive stories, you know, because you want to build momentum or what have you, I think sometimes a video could work in lieu of a really long email, right? So here's a little video of, you know, the leadership or the business sponsor saying why they're excited about this change. So that, uh, what are your thoughts on that, Delaney? Yeah, I love that. I think sometimes um, that extra personal touch of either seeing someone's face or hearing their voice is refreshing and uh, communicates the emotion behind the change, especially if you're talking about something positive, maybe more than we can manage to in, in emails or other ways. Mm -hmm. Right. Dr. Bob? Yeah, I was going to um, ask Kimberly and and you and Delaney have gotten into this, how you decide what your communication approach is gonna be. We have podcast, we have Zoom, we have let's have lunch because you know we've gotten back to our organization and we can go down to the cafeteria and have lunch. Um, we can do this on an email, we can do it on the telephone. How do you decide or do you decide what's the best approach to use or are we just using what's thrown at us in terms of tools that have developed before and after the pandemic? I mean, I Great don't just question. want to use a tool because it's there. I want to use a tool because it's the best tool to use with that person or that group. How do you decide that? Good question. 
Who'd like to tackle that? Well, I, I originally wanted to address that to Kimberly because okay, Kimberly, you're on the goes into so much planning <laughs> detail. I mean, that was really great. So I wondered if she also decided what communication tool or tools that the person or people were going to use. But anybody can answer, you know. We we had a global global organization, so we used a lot of different tools, and I partnered a lot with IT and other learning development professionals that kept reinforcing the fact that you need constant communication in many different ways. So sometimes it was a lunch and learn, it was a, a team experience, it might have been a video, one-on-one um, -on -one video calls with international staff, teaching them how to use a tool, working with a team in, in a different office. So they designed the communication messages and framework that were appropriate for that office. So just kind of what, what works best for the users. But um, one of the things that, that I realized where I failed at, and Shannon was asking a failure, uh, we had good communication in the beginning and working through the first several months of change. And we worked it into onboarding so the new employees had it, but there were still some stragglers um, of older employees that, that didn't make the change. And I didn't realize that. And then I dropped off on that communication front um, and realized that I lost some key stakeholders and some key momentum around that. So um, using whatever tools works best for your office and then constantly communicating and then looking at um, what are the data, like what data sets or metrics can you use to say that that change was successful? So can you, if it is an IT solution, can you look at usage data and see who's using the tool, who's not using the tool, go and ask some questions for some deeper insights. Maybe it's not a relevant tool for them, but maybe they need to be using it. Um, or if you're doing a, a different type of processing, what are the metrics and kind of track that and keep getting the pulse. Um, so I know that's not a great answer, but you listed lots of great communication <laughs> methods. And I think having many different voices on there. So if you are doing a podcast and you're hosting it, you're doing a podcast with different users and they're sharing their story and they're getting kind of excited. And then somebody can say, well, you know, any did this. So, so this is great. This is something I can do, or let me go talk to any. And they're not coming back to the team that's pushing out the change. They're talking to a peer that will know how they need to use the tool better. I like that. So it's like it, all the, all the ways. So if you can reach them through email, through video, through podcasting, then you try to find the ones that are best for your organization. But if I'm hearing you, it's like use all the things because so you can reach, so you can reach people on different levels. And I thought I saw, Chris, I, I don't know if I saw you nodding there. Did you have something that you wanted to add? No, I just, I mean, everything that Kimberly was saying, uh, both in chat and just now really resonated with, with me for as a leader. I often thought that, boy, if we just did a real rock star job in communicating something, it would be really clear to people and, you know, they could start moving. And I think the number of times not, and, and I said, you're giving the same essential message again and again, leaders forget to do that and in different ways to reach different people and the ways in which they need time to process information and absorb it. But I think also as a leader, I remember my messaging evolving. As you're going through the process, you're thinking you've got the message, but then as you start rolling it out, you start to realize, 
yeah, you know what, that that piece wasn't so clear. So I've had to modify it. And now I have to go out and give that again. Um, but again, it still feels like the same. Oh, they already know that. They already know why we're doing this. Why do I have to do this again? Uh, but you have to keep doing it. Right. Uh, can I interject something sure. here? Is what I've been taught for a very long time is called linguistic impoverishment and why you have to continue. How do you teach someone in the US and how do you teach someone in Indonesia or Australia or China the same thing? Because they have cultural differences on how they approach business and people and profits. And um, I found that uh, teaching someone in, I taught someone in uh, Indonesia how, how to create video content not the same way as I teach somebody here in Canada. You have to, you have to invest in their culture to understand them in order to be able to teach them correctly. And I think this is why sometimes communication fails because they don't understand your code, what you're talking about. They know the words, they just don't understand the code. Right. So I think this is really important. I mean, obviously I'm a video advocate, but um, storytelling, you better learn to tell a story properly, correctly within the context of to whom you're speaking and what you're trying to teach them. That's my piece. Yeah, that's a great point, Brian. That that's a, And I love the fact that you're bringing up culture here because even within, sure, we those of you who might work with global organizations, I've worked with global organizations before, there are certainly nuances that you have to pay attention to. But I think even within our own smaller world. So let's say you're just Midwest or maybe you're stateside or what have you, even, even within your organization, there are cultures and pockets within your organization that you need to pay attention to, you know, and, and how are we talking to them and, you know, how you're talking to frontline people versus management people versus frontline people in California and frontline people in New York. So there's there's all sorts of these nuances that we need to pay attention to. So, Brian, I think that that was a, a really good, really good point here, you know, to bring up. And, you know, so it's hard. So it's like, do we build 50 communication plans for one topic? What what What's our solution here? You know, what, what, what are we supposed to do? Okay. I had, I had to go and teach inventory control down in uh, Ohio. And inside the plant were three Mennonites who didn't work with the computers, didn't work with electricity, ate by themselves, didn't really, but they were excellent workers. They did exactly what they were asked to do every time and always early for work and stayed late and blah, blah. But I couldn't teach them computer stuff because they refused to use it. Their religion said no. They didn't even have hydro at home. They had outhouses and not toilets. So I had to go along and say, okay, well, <laughs> you know, forget the electricity. Let's light a candle in my main mind. Didn't say this, but in my mind. Then I had to teach them how to do a process without technology. So I had to learn. So I sat down with them and I said, okay, what is your um, 
uh, uh, life about? What, what is your religion about? What is, the, what is your culture about? And I spend a month with them learning their culture. Then I could teach them what I had to teach them from my culture. Right. Within the same plan. You don't even have to go to Indonesia. Just within the same plan. Well, I really interesting. Yeah, I think that's an important thing, right? So it's immersion. So what we want to do is, you know, you can't talk business unless you know the business, right? So are you out there, you know, side by side with the people within your organization, right? And I I love, um, I appreciate Ralph's comment here. I think that shifting to performance enhancing events versus learning events makes things easier. And I, and I think that how we approach that communication is really important. So, you know, Raf, do you want to expand on that a little bit? Well, you know, I don't want to sound too cliche here, but oh, let me get, get this thing out. You guys can <laughs> there see me you better. are. <laughs> Good looking guy here. Anyway, <laughs> um, it's funny because I was just reading a, an article from Forbes. You know, we, we go from uh, uh, performance-based training in, in, in learning and development uh, and, and I kind of like to use a lot of sports um, uh, examples, right? If, if you take someone and I'm going to teach you to have the perfect swing, right? Well, that's just not going to work for everyone. But if I teach you to just hit a home run, well, then everybody likes that. And that's really about performing at work. Right. It really doesn't matter. So I'm, I'm trying more and more within my department, and you know that, Shannon, to kind of shift to focus into, we're not really teaching them anything as much as we want them to succeed when they go out there, right? Um, and in reality, that's all they want, right? So I just wanna be good at what I'm doing. And over time, you're gonna kind of learn on your own, right? Mm -hmm. But without having those those quick wins that I call them, it becomes a little bit difficult, but well, that makes sense. Right. No, I agree. And I, and this goes back to a conversation, you know, that I've had many times in regards just about learning objectives and learning objectives needed to be more human centered, you know, so that that's the communication piece that we're putting out in front of people when it comes to training courses in particular, you know, the learning objectives is the communication piece. And if we can build our communications around here's here's how this, whatever the X factor is, this is how this is going to make you smarter, better, faster, right? This is how this is going to help you earn more commission. This is how you are going to um, save hours in your day. This is how you're going to stop being confused between which software to use. So we're talking to people from a human perspective rather from a teachy-teachy perspective, right? Is that, what you, is that what I'm gleaning from you, Raph? Yes, exactly. Yeah, and I think that that's a, that's a, really, good, that's a really good point. And um, I think that we could, I think all of our communications could be that way, you know, just focusing more on who the people are rather than what we expect them to do. I think that becomes something that becomes really important, right? And so now we've got about five minutes left. And so now how would we, what, what are our 
steps? What should we be doing? So now what I'm hearing is we're building our plan. So we've got our plan. And according to, we've got some good information coming through about, you know, maybe a racy or maybe just a, a structure of some point. Now, what is what is the plan for the momentum? So now we, we plan to send it out. There's got to be a follow-up, right, on some level. But there also has to be some kind of a stop point. So how do we determine when the communication is enough? Or do we still keep talking about it until it naturally ebbs? What, what is it that we do? How do we handle that? So I, I don't know what, um, what your thoughts are around that. Well, you have to keep practicing. So you have to keep reinforcing and saying, is this okay? Are you guys happy with this? Or, I mean, that's your feedback. Um, right. And also, you know, are they doing the job? Because if they're not doing it, now you have to go and find out why. They're not dumb. They just, maybe it's language again. Maybe right. it's whatever. So maybe you have to correct. So maybe what you're saying is there are touch points. Mm -hmm. So maybe there are touch points, you know, within a month or two months that we can go back and we can just sort of reinforce a message that's already been sent out. Um, are there any other steps that we're forgetting about? So we, you know, what about a sense of urgency? Is there, do we need to set a sense of urgency behind something? We need you to start doing something right now or in a month or in a week? Does the sense of urgency, so if, if the project or the rollout, let's say is 30 days from now, so you start communicating about it now. And as you get closer to that 30 day point, does the sense of urgency in the tone lift? I might call it a launch date rather than a sense of urgency. Sense of urgency seems to like attack people who are already as busy as they can possibly be. True. But maybe that's maybe the sense of urgency is my word. Maybe that's not the word mm -hmm. that we would use for them. But in okay. the messaging, is there a sense of urgency? Right. Okay. What are your thoughts? You even speed up the pace of the communication. Speed, oh, okay. You know, if you're getting closer to launch, you might have been doing it one week reminder, one week reminder. Then it's like, hey, guys, in five days, <laughs> in three days, <laughs> remember tomorrow. Right, right. So it's like an event countdown, right? <laughs> it's what you it's what you do, Shannon. Yeah, it is what I, yeah. Here's my time-sensitive email. <laughs> Tap on this, dummy. You know? <laughs> Time-sensitive people, sign up. We're doing this. Okay. <laughs> yes, I, yeah, I, 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 I send out a time-sensitive thing this morning uh, within the family. There's a joke. I said, okay, there's 85 days until Christmas. <laughs> then I got this plethora of booze and thumb downs. But, right. you know. <laughs> and Maureen, I like that. So it's, it's the same thing when you're planning your wedding. There were one or two things a month. And then as things got closer, right? Yeah, exactly. I think that's exactly it. Planning your communication is not unlike planning an event. And I think that that's a great way to wrap up the conversation here is just thinking about, you know, when you think about your communication plan, there is a list of to-dos that you have to have. So what is your plan 
for your communication plan for people to do. So it's like very meta, isn't it? The plan for the plan for the plan, you know? So I think that there's, um, I think that there's something to be said for that. There's something that we all have to think about and get other people's help, right? So bring in those champions, bring in those other people within your team to help you roll this out. And on that note, I'm going to say thank you. I've got a lot of, I took a lot of notes here about what you said. And as always, I'll send that out in an email. You guys will have the notes and some resources and the video. And I've also included, I'm starting to include the audio. So if you wanted to listen to this while you were on the treadmill or something, then you can go ahead and do that. But you'll have the opportunity to listen to the audio as well. And then also, just so you know, here in a couple of weeks, I've planned another um, guest feature because I managed to get Stella Collins, who is part of the Brain Ladies Foundation, and she's going to talk about neuroscience. And I thought that that was something that would be really interesting to everybody. And that's going to be on a Wednesday on October the 13th. So that's kind of a special thing that we're going to be doing. So keep your eyes out for that announcement. Uh, and then for those of you who are new, the coffee chats are every other Friday. And so not this upcoming Friday, but the Friday after the next coffee chat is about social learning in social media or social media for learning. So I hope to see everybody there while we have that conversation. How can we use social media to help our learning efforts? So I think that's going to be fun conversation to be had. All right, so thank you everybody. Cheers to you. I hope that you guys are having a great weekend. You've got great things planned. <laughs>